Hello, everybody. You're listening to another episode of 100 Decks, a Magic the Gathering podcast <laughs> focused on EDH Modern and beyond. I am a stupid horse named Daniel, and I'm joined on the line by the money machine himself, Simon. How are you doing, Simon? Oh, I am doing swell. You know, I spent all last night listening to the entire discography of Death Grips and just jamming EDH games on Magic Online. <laughs> so I'd That's- say I'm fully in the mindset and prepared to go. Okay, not not exactly my EDH vibe. Kind of intense a little bit. Uh, did you just go chronologically, Death Grips? Um, it was more like I always start with the money store, then I hop back to ex-military, and then you know Jenny Death gotcha. went and got those rock vibes. I'm kind of looking for. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know. We'll save it for the music review podcast. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Like oh. grinding music. What do you What do you listen to? Yeah. What What gets you in the vibe? I mean, I'm, I'm all about the vibe. That's what you, what what you gotta are, focus on. What are you playing in uh, in EDH nowadays? I have just been jamming my four-color dredge deck. Uh, Took out all the tutors that are so cheap and tempting online and just kind (laughs) of shoved a bunch more self-mill cards in there. And, you know, it's not as consistent, but I find it to be a lot more enjoyable. That's kind of a common thing, you know, is like when you're drawing more cards, it just like it feels more fun, you know, than just like laser focus. Yeah. Instead of like I'm going to get my bin, I'm going to get my library in the bin in the same way of a game, it's more like, oh, this game I drew Mirror Mad Phantasm. Awesome. Now that's a card. Now that, that is, is a, a card. card. It's a classic. One of the so greats. four-color Yidris, still fun. Four-color Yidris, still fun. Yidris, still, still a powerful magic card. Has not yeah. changed. All right, yeah. what, are we, what are we talking about this week? Um, today, or this, this week, this podcast, um, we are talking about cards in the time of COVID. We're talking about... How has your relationship with Magic changed? How has like the way you played Magic changed ever since uh, mid-March of this year when the whole world shut down, right? Yeah, when when the new normal finally finally broke into our into our lives. I yeah. mean, yeah, things have definitely things definitely changed. You know, I mean, how were you how were you playing before COVID started? I mean, yeah, like COVID was a big part of. I guess like my social life or not, not COVID when I was saying magic, magic was a big part of my social life. Cause I would, I would go down to the card shop like twice a week, you know, just hang out with people, play some modern EDH draft, all that stuff. But then, yeah, almost like, but almost seven months ago, exactly. The, the store shut down, you know, you can't go in to, to draft on Friday and play the new set with your friends. And yeah, it's just, it's just very different. You know, it was a very abrupt change, right? Were you were you going to the store a lot? I know you like. Um, so they had EDH night once a week. I did a couple of pre-releases and played EDH pretty much every week. Um, and then you know that I I actually stopped going before the the shutdown actually happened in my uh, in okay. my hometown just because I knew things were getting kind of serious and I was like, ooh. Let's, yeah, let's I was kind of the safe. same way. Yeah. The idea there being, of course, that I work retail and I'm <laughs> one of the people who's the most exposed to people who may or may not have COVID, but in a way it's like re- reducing, if not removing your avenues of exposure. Yeah. When you're one of the retail heroes on the front lines of the battle, you know, <laughs> receiving that wonderful hero pay really helps pay the bills. Yeah. helps you buy the cardboard. Yeah. Helps yeah, you buy I mean, the digital cardboard, the digital cardboard. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, that's kind of what the bulk of the episode is going to be about. Right. Is, uh, once, like, we stopped going to the store, we uh, kind of shifted to Magic Online, right? Yep. I mean, it's not the only option, right? I mean, I know a lot yeah, of Yeah, have you, have you done any, like, the webcam games or any of that stuff? I don't have a webcam kind of on a matter of principle. Like, I, <laughs> I know the NSA is spying on me through that shit, and I ain't going to take it, you know? But no, I just, generally, okay. it's just like, it's, it felt like the setup of, like, getting a table. Like, my room's pretty small. It's like getting a table and a space where I can have good lighting and actually play the game on Discord with people it just seemed like more effort than just booting up the old MTGO. Yeah. Finding the game. Oh, I kind of want to, I don't know. I want to get something out of the way at the top, you know, cause it's like, we're, I don't know. We're talking about how COVID has impacted our, our like luxury hobby or whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I want to, I want to be clear that like, the the fact that COVID shut down in store play for MTG is not like the biggest impact of COVID, you know? Oh yeah, I think that's a, I think that should go without saying that. Okay, yeah. I did not feel a great loss in my heart when the store <laughs> shut down, and I think 
it's not to we're not, not trying to say that this is the horrible result of this tragic disease that has claimed lives lives of over two hundred thousand Americans and many more worldwide. Yeah. It's more of a, like how have we just adapted our hobby to this? As I said earlier, kind of the new normal, right? Yeah, that's a good way of putting. It. Like, how do you, how do you still find joy in these like very trying times? Very I guess. dark times, indeed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think it's kind of funny because I was before COVID, I was living a, living a pretty like work home lifestyle, so I haven't changed. I wouldn't <laughs> say my routine has changed too much sure. since COVID started. Uh, exercising less, but. I think there's still some adaptation in the way of like how do I de-stress? How do I in a in a healthy way? Obviously, how do I channel this kind of either it's creative energy or just the energy to play? I mean, in my case, magic, right? To yeah. kind of keep doing that, not to let not to let the things that bring you joy kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I don't know. Just just want to say that. Yeah, no. Okay, so. Talking about Matt, we're very privileged altogether <laughs> to be able to talk about this, right? It's just like, but yeah. So, were you you weren't playing? I was on Magic Online before the whole pandemic thing hit. Just like I would draft and play a lot of Modern on there. But you did you like start playing once the pandemic hit, or like did you already have an account? Like, what was your? So I already had an account from a couple of years earlier where I built some budget, like two budget EDH decks, and had just tried it out and found it. Especially when I had a physical play group in, in college, I found it to be quite distasteful. And it's like, all right, this isn't really, this isn't really meshing with what my image was of what it would be. So I kind of stopped playing. But then you know, COVID came around. I wasn't playing anymore. I was like, man, I really want to, really want to fling some spells around. <laughs> Yeah, but you did touch on it. It is it is like very very different from like playing in person in a uh, like in a paper pod, right? Like even just like the the kinds of decks you see are a lot different. Just like I don't know, we're, we're gonna get into it as the episode goes on, but I don't know what what were some of like we can talk about like what, what were some of the striking differences you found when we started playing online versus uh like having a paper play group at your local game store? Yeah, and I I think. Um in order to really understand the way the meta is, I mean, meta is a very broad term here. This is both social and like actual card meta itself. There are a couple yeah. uh, factors. There are a couple uh, what things about the way MTGO works that I think we should probably go into to kind of explain why to, to help explain why it's so different. So, yeah, let's do it. Why don't you Why don't you tell me your your in like the the clearest way possible? What is MTGO? Oh boy. Um, yeah. MTGO is like MTG arena's redheaded step brother. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, like MTG arena, you have like all the flashy animations and all that stuff, but MTGO is literally just like, they took the card game and like, just like put it on the computer. You know, it's very, like, it's a very old program. It's kind of infam- infamously buggy and stuff. It's a direct sequel to MTG Shahrazad, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is a throwback for sure. But yeah, it is it is just like a very direct port of the paper game onto onto like an online client. You know, like you can do pretty much anything you could do in paper on uh, MTGO. Yeah, it's like the it's the rules engine of Magic without any of the kind of added smoothness that you get from yeah. like magic arena, which I think leads to a lot of um, some strategies, not really being viable in EDH. I mean, stuff like, and beyond that, some strategies actually being quite a bit more antagonistic than they might be in paper. A lot of clicking can be required if you're using the st- if you're using a bunch of cards that interact on the stack and stuff like that. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, like EDH is kind of famous for those kinds of combos. I feel like, I don't know, like basalt monolith type stuff, you know, where you're like untapping stuff, like making infinite mana by like doing all these repetitive actions. And it's like in paper, you can just like say, okay, now I'm going to do this like a million times. But on MTGO, it's like, no, you have to do like every one of those iterations. Yeah, you have to to individually iterate it. Yeah. And I think most people are kind of accept it when you do an infinite and they're just like, all right, you win. But they're definitely, I've I've seen games and I've been there when someone is like, nah, you're going to have to do this whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like if someone's doing like a kiki jiki splinter twin combo and they have to iterate it 120 times. I mean, yeah. you, you have an hour to iterate, but that's a long time. And it kind of just leads to this level of like, is it really worth it? Which I think if we're going to talk about the meta, I mean, kind of recognizing that decks that aren't infinite, but have explosive turns 
tend to be much more viral. So like the storm archetype, I see a lot of the storm archetype and just like yeah. random rooms, even rooms that aren't necessarily quote unquote CEDH lobbies. And because <clears> of the lobby label feature, you can actually say when you want to play a game with CEDH, which I think for the most part keeps people who want to play CEDH um, in those lobbies. So there are definitely some anecdotal exceptions. <laughs> we <can talk> about. <laughs> yeah. So like rule zero, you know, is also a big part of EDH, like being able to discuss like what kind of game you're looking for before you actually start playing. And then like, I think like being able to name the room on MTGO is uh, maybe like the the closest like approximation you have to that online. If you if you go to a game store and you sit down, and you're like, hey, like what power level are you guys playing at? You know, like you can kind of hash it out. But like uh, when you sign up for a, like a or when you go to a game on MTGO, like all you have is just like a little blip at the top of the room that says like no CDH, like no Armageddon, like all that stuff, right? Yeah, and I think to a degree it does lead to this kind of. Um problem and power level that we talk, talked about last episode where someone may say no mass land destruction no extra turns no cedh but then someone brings in a deck that's very strong that's more focused than what the person might have been expecting yeah and it leads to them still stopping the game like when i just mentioned storm earlier right it's like i've seen people playing storm decks that are definitely not cedh like aren't necessarily <laughs> running optimal cards but are still much our, our strategy that the person who created the room, because the person who created the room, right, is kind of, they put what they want out there, but they're still left at the mercy of the people who joined the game. Yeah, I guess, I guess we should say when we're talking about like the room names and all that stuff, it's like on Magic Online, you can go to like the commander or EDH like practice room section. And then it's like there you'll find everybody posting about like, I'm looking for a game, you know, like and setting up the rooms. You said you've had some, I don't know, maybe you have a couple anecdotes about the miscommunication that can have that can happen with the room names well yeah like i once joined a room that i didn't realize until later it was called 3dh i thought i just said edh and i was like okay names room cdh and i quickly noticed when i loaded in with my seven mana commander and that <laughs> everyone else in the room was playing and i was like oh are you guys playing only spells that are man three mana or left less and they're like yeah and i was like oh <laughs> sorry about that and i mean i mean i left i mean that is what what was the the seven mana commander you you loaded in? It was uh, Nezahol, Primal Tide. Oh wow! The okay. big dino. It was, it was actually the first game I was playing with that deck. <laughs> and kind of in the other direction, like I was playing a room that said no CDH, blah 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 blah, and the person across from me in the turn order played turn one mana crypt, turn two lab man demonic consultation, and then like a free cantrip or something like that. Oh wow! Like oh wow! I a room like literally. The, the real-world equivalent of pub stomping just online. And in a way, there's, there's, there's no social ramifications for doing that because they may never play with you again, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, the, the social contract is definitely, like, a different beast entirely on MTGO just because it's, like, it's not a person there, you know, it's just a username. So you can definitely get, like, people that are looking to pub stomp more than they might have in person, you know? Yeah, the depersonalization of the internet, I mean, we, once again, we could spend an entire, like the rest of our lives talking about it i mean but there is there is also the aspect of being able to play with much more powerful cards at a much more reasonable price right so yeah cards are cheap online they're very cheap and there's you know there's several i mean you you use a mana traders rental account right i mean what's that like talk about that sell me on it oh sell you on a rental account okay well all right simon you know how like when you buy cards online it's like it feels so good because it's so cheap right yeah you know, it's like you, you can get a Taiga for like two ticks. You know, you can get you can get a, a Mana Vault for like five ticks. It should be now said that like, ticks are the equivalent of one tick to one dollar. Imagine if you just had access to every card for free. I mean, that's almost what a rental service. You do pay an upfront fee. You know, I, I pay a monthly fee. But by paying that monthly fee, fee I get access to be able to rent like 850 ticks worth of cards at a time you know so you can build so, like eternal format decks as well and play with those yeah it's like i can i can play a game of edh with like a deck i've never even played before a, uh, a while ago i played like naya or myel the anima right it's like i would never build that deck in paper but it's like eh, okay if i have the rental account i'll just rent it so it's like i can play that game of edh and then like an hour later play a vintage challenge and then <laughs> the next hour play like a pioneer league you know it's like you can jump around a lot so I yeah I, I do want to mention just rental services because it is like a very 
like if you're looking to explore a lot online, you know, and, and like you don't want to have to build up your collection like you have in paper over the years. You know, like I've been playing paper magic for what, like six, seven years. Like I have a lot of paper cards just like from the amount of time I bought them. But online, I don't have any of that. So I think like a rental service is a good way. If you're looking to jump in to the to MTGO and you like, I don't know, want to try out a lot of different things, there's a, yeah, you get a lot of availability out of that. Hey, I mean, I'm sold on that. That's that sounds a great that's a great description of and a great they should they should sponsor us mana traders if you're listening they should <laughs> that would be if I if I didn't have to pay that monthly fee oh boy oh, oh my gosh now we're playing, I'm just now we're playing with power that's just infinite value so I think um, I mean I, I think this really touches upon what the biggest difference besides the social differences in yeah. kind of the the play experience in MTGO is the 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 power level definitely exceeds what you'd normally see in Paper Magic, because mostly because the fixing, mana fixing is for the most part really cheap. Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, cards you traditionally don't see in anyone playing either right, like, beneath, like, just beneath CDH or CDH itself are, like, yeah. 3 $4 online, or you can get a rental account and get them anyways. I mean, ironically, Soaring is, like, yeah. five times as expensive online as, as uh, Mana Crypt. Which yeah, that's a, one of the weird quirks of the of the MTGO economy is, I don't know. It, it hasn't been reprinted as much as it has in paper, funnily enough. Well, yeah, and also I think the availability because MTGO being one of the main places that people play vintage. So yeah. like, the vintage masters and all the promotional events have really led to a, an oversaturation of these cards in the market. Yeah. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, there are cards that don't even get printed from like sub- supplemental sets like... I wanted to make a Gothama all all devouring that word from Battle Bond. They <laughs> Good never, luck. They, they never printed it on MTGO. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I still don't understand why that is. Some of the Battle Bond cards are on MTGO, right? Yeah, the, the lands are. A lot of the partner commanders are. I think. I feel like they got to Gothama and were like, "Wow, I do not want to code this." Like maybe they coded. Oh, maybe yeah. they coded it in, and it just crashed every game. I could see that. <laughs> I mean, that is a bugs or something that do do happen with somewhat regular frequency on mtgo yeah yeah i mean you 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 touched on mana fixing there for a little bit i'm i mean like the biggest the biggest example of that to me is probably like something like grim monolith you know like that card in paper is like I don't even, how it's more expensive than mana crypt now i think yeah a normal one is 250 bucks that's the quote i'm getting yes 12 yeah, ticks. But then, 12 ticks, yeah, 11 12 bucks ticks. It's like that's that's insane. Like I would never spend two hundred and fifty bucks on a card on paper, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. No, and cards like Wheel of Fortune, stuff like that. I mean these cards that have been bought Gaia's out. Gaia's Cradle. On paper. Gaia's Cradle is like four bucks. A lot of any basically any card that features heavily in vintage is incredibly cheap. Which means that in general, I mean, they're a lot more acceptable because that idea of like people mo- most people being priced out of the cards themselves isn't really doesn't really exist for people playing MTGO. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it is it is kind of a sad fact of Magic, but it's like when you increase the the accessibility of these powerful cards, like people's decks get powerful, get more powerful just because like the average player can can afford it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a dream scenario for me because I like playing kind of janky stuff, but I like to do it more optimally. And the fact that mana fixing and stuff like that is so cheap online means like I'm actually, I'm afforded the ability to do it really easily. Yeah, do you- do you feel like you like it's easier to brew on MTGO? Like, I, I know you like to make kind of off the wall decks. Like, what's your what's your take on that? I'd say in some ways it is easier, um, just because I kind of know what I'm gonna fit into like the ramp package every game. Sure. It's like, all right, here are the cards that I know are going in. So in a way, it sort of homogenizes my decks. But in another way, it's like, okay, what can we do outside of that now? But now that we know we're gonna have our mana all set pretty much it's easier to enable those kinds of things yeah and it's like i can play a four, i could never play a four color deck a reasonable four color deck in paper just because i don't have the cards for the mana base i don't have the shocks i don't have the fetches but yeah. online i mean i have most of the fetches and it was a lot cheaper it was like probably a couple magnitudes cheaper than purchasing a full a full uh, range of fetches in paper right now yeah, the fetches are much much cheaper online. That's for sure. <laughs> and, but hey, they're gonna re- they're gonna reprint them this year, right? Yeah, right? as like expeditions, <laughs> you know. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Ugh. 
Yeah, complaining complaining about reprints. <laughs> that I think people have have already done plenty of that for us already. Yeah, let's not let's not go too far down that. But there definitely is a little. There's another major difference, right? And that's sort of in the the political aspect of things. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing we wrote down on like our little outline is like the loss of banter at the table, which is like R.I.P. table talk, right? Online. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, like I almost. I, I when I first started playing online, I would try and chat a lot just to kind of get people into it, and then you know like I realized people weren't really responding to it, and it's become a lot less of a social thing when I'm not playing with you know people from our play group and stuff like that. It's more of just like all right, I'm playing this game, I'm gonna see what my opponents do, which is you know I mean it's hard. I would I I think it's becoming I mean, more like a video game when you're not playing with people you know and you can't talk to them directly. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're both that kind of player, right? That when we sit down at an EDH table, it's like we like to get that that kind of banter going, you know? Like, one, like, it, it helps, like, evaluate threats and, like, figure out what everybody's, like, plan in the game is and stuff like that. But it's also just, like, I don't know, it's, like, fun to talk to people, right? Yeah, it makes the game feel more like a, like a social event than just, like, a game yeah. everyone's playing to win, which is part of the reason that I like EDH a lot more than normal competitive magic is because I view it a lot more as a kind of casual yeah exactly like, type thing yeah like I go to I go to modern Wednesday or whatever my LGS to like all right here I'm gonna win I'm gonna like focus on my deck and like execute everything but it's like an EDH I'm like yeah I want to like talk to my friends like see what's up you know yeah exactly exactly and I mean I I would uh I don't know. I would encourage like anybody listening to this. If like if your friends aren't on MTGO, maybe like try to get them in, and then like you you guys can play an EDH game like and have a Discord call and kind of re- replicate that. But I don't know. I feel like that that was something really fun that we did with our play group. But it's still slowly pull them in, right? Yeah, you got to rope them in. Got to yeah. rope them in. Make it irresistible. No, and it's I mean especially if it's people that you haven't seen and haven't been able to talk to in a while. I mean it's great to have that experience of just like talking and playing games like the old days you know but it's still not the same man it's still like it's not quite the same and it, you know it, it's close it, but it's not it never can be either is the i think the unfortunate truth before i wax nostalgic for too much <laughs> um but also you know there's other things like i mean to put the put the politics game quote unquote doesn't really <laughs> exist i mean people are gonna make the plays they want to make and you don't really, unless you're a really fast typer with like 120 words per minute, stenographers probably have a great politics game online, right? Because they can just... Oh, that'd be funny. They yeah. just like type a whole essay about why you shouldn't <laughs> remove their commander in like 30 seconds. Yeah, I mean, with the it, when you're just interacting with the table via like the chat box, it is like, it's a lot harder to like do stuff like make deals in the game. Just given the, the nature of the MTGO, like the way the, the program works. Like, you can't do takebacks either. You know, like, often when you're playing paper, you'll, like, put a removal spell on the stack, and then, like, the person whose thing you're targeting like, whoa, 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 like, let's, like, work out a deal here, and maybe, like, you don't remove it, you know, something like that. But it's, like, online, it's, like, once you put that spell on the stack, it's there, like, it's happening. Um, I, that's, I think that's been, like, one of, the, one of the big differences for me playing online. Yeah, and that was the biggest, like, I, I don't know, not culture shock, but one of the biggest transitionatory difficulties I had was, like, it really forces you to adhere to both the way the stack works, the way interactions between cards work. Um, it doesn't let you miss upkeep triggers or anything like that. So this aspect, I think, in a lot of casual EDH players is a lot more prominent. And it just it, it it's not that it doesn't exist. It can't exist online because of the way the program works. Yeah, the fact it doesn't let you miss triggers is honestly like... I mean, it's great. I wonder, I wonder what I'm going to be like playing paper again, you know, like for the first time. Like, how many triggers am I going to miss just because I've gotten so used to NPGO handling everything for me? I mean, if anything, I feel like I'm going to try and I'm, it's going to make me, it's going to take it as a challenge, right? It's going to be like, all right, okay. I'm not going to miss any triggers this game. It's my upkeep time. And if anything, <laughs> being used to putting stops on my upkeep will be like, all right, stop on my upkeep. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're going to verbalize all the things that you, that you do in uh, NPGO. Upkeep. Pass until and step on my opponent's side. I wish yeah, F six. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm gonna be end up saying F six or F seven in like games with with people who haven't played MTGO at all, and they're like, "What? What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. By the by the way, F six is just like yields through your turn, right? You just like end your turn. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. I, I mean, I changed the, the yield keys. It's oh, a, we've got a hot button Andy over here. Okay. Well, you know, the, the, the I, I found the default um, controls in MTGO to be quite... Uh, clunky? The, yeah, clunky is a good word for it. Like like a lot of the rest of the program, it kind of expects you to have like eight fingers on your left hand stretched out across your keyboard. What what just, what are you doing, I just man? Wasn't going for that. <laughs> okay, I feel like I I feel like I've got maybe it's just like because I've learned it like over and over, like just iterating over and over. I've learned how to like manage it, but I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe I should like think about remapping my keys. I don't know. If if you're used to doing, it, you can. I just like I'm used to really having all my hotkeys close together. I don't know. Damn. That's the gamer in me. <laughs> yeah. So something we brought up earlier is this. This aspect where you can just leave the game, right? If if a game is really awful, which is something that doesn't happen too much. Yeah, along with no take backs, I think this is the this is like the biggest difference, right? And I think no take backs that thing actually often leads to people leaving the game. Um, yeah, exactly. Which I would say is probably the final nail in the coffin of it being the same social experience that EH is in paper, just because it's like. If people have the ability to just completely disconnect at any time, it really, I think, to a degree, removes a lot of the investment in the game. So, like, you're, you're playing a game with four people, right? Uh-huh. Um, and someone gets mana screwed. Never happens. Mo- mo- never happens. <laughs> Most of the, I, I'd say the majority of games where someone misses two land, land drops, you're going down to a three-player game. Like, I don't, I, yeah. I don't think I've really ever seen someone stick to a to a game where they're behind by two lands or like behind two turns. Well, one of, one of the upsides of MTGO is like you can play a game at any time, but that also leads to one of the downsides, which is like if someone in your pod like isn't like if their deck isn't firing on, on all cylinders, they'll just leave, you know, like if it's turn three and like everybody else has played ramp and they're like, they played their last land and they like all have a handful of like five drops or whatever. They're like, ah, I'll just concede and like go into the next game. Yeah. Right you know? Again, which, you know, I think when I first started playing and I was, like, really trying to still view it as the same as a, as the paper experience, like, I was kind of expecting that, that really, like, got ground my gears. I was like, ah, you're leaving, you're making this. All of my decks are janky and kind of require four players. I mean, like, Sir Care mm-hmm. of the Bold gets worse with each less player there is. Just, like, flat yeah. up worse because you get less cards off the top of your life. You get less triggers. Um, but, like... I think the more I've played and the more it's kind of just become this like this, this this version of magic that I play, the more I've just kind of been like, eh, okay, whatever. I mean, I do it myself now, right? There are games where like the rest of the table is just doing insane things. I mean, yesterday, for example, um, I was playing, the, the room said no CEDH. I was like, hey, cool. Play dredge, blah, blah, blah. In one round of turn, I get like all my, all my ramp wiped. Guy plays Blood Moon and Winter Orb on the same turn. Jeez, and, man. And I'm just like, I could play this game, but I could also not. <laughs> As you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of I, like an extension of what you just said. It's like you're kind of making the game maybe less fun for other people. But the reality is like when everyone's doing it. Yeah, when, when everybody's doing it, it's like nobody's doing it. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I didn't think about the way that like stacks is kind of like, I don't know, like the, the perception around stacks kind of changes a lot because it's like, the, the games like are a little bit quicker and you know and you can like just leave so it's like maybe i don't know maybe like like blood moon and winter orb and those kinds of cards like if you're just like trying to win games like maybe those are just like a little bit more powerful online just because people concede to it more often people well, i mean that's the thing right the reality is if you're playing cards that are are, are almost 100 percent considered unfun unless you're playing at the yeah. highest power level people will just leave which you know when you're playing in a room with four random people and you don't know what to expect i i have a hard time being mad about that like if you're gonna be just like your turn <laughs> is gonna be untap one land to endure past the turn yeah I mean, like you could be playing magic that you want to play at any time which is i mean and once again i think the, the the take the take home here right is that this this ability to leave right when, when we put it on the list i was kind of thinking like yeah it's kind of only a downside but the more we talk about it the more i think about it it's like it's got its ups and downs same, yeah. It's this kind of, it's this, it's this, it's this both, it's this, I mean, it's just a different aspect. Yeah, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, and also like neither. <laughs> and speaking, and, uh, 
Yeah, yeah the, the, the next thing we had on our list was like kicking people out of the game, right? I mean, yeah, if there's a, let's say, if there's a consensus from the other three players that what you're doing is not cool or you're like spamming the chat with slurs and stuff like that, which, you know, it's online, unfortunately does happen. Uh, Has that happened to you? It's happened to me twice. Really? Yeah, and it was kind of out of nowhere because, like, we're not playing a competitive game or anything. But I think the person, they generally just wanted to go into games so they could say wow. okay. know, nasty, nasty stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, I would kick that guy. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we did, thankfully. I was like, okay. We kicked him once. The other time I just left because the other people weren't going to kick him. And I was like, all right. Yeah, so so it's like you, you put a command in chat, right? And it's like people vote on whether they want. Is that how it works? And yeah, and the command is a really, uh, it's a it's a testament to the, the stability and strength of MTGO's code base. Um, it's yeah. slash eject. <laughs> you type slash eject in the name of the player. It says command not recognized. And then it says one vote for ejection <laughs> so it does recognize the command but it tells you it doesn't recognize it <laughs> it's um, like uh it's like playing among us on mpgo almost yeah it's like yo this player's, <laughs> this player's deck is kind of sus get him out of here yeah i mean i i haven't had too much experience with like ejecting people is that like how how often would you say you actually end up having to do that i think i maybe kick people like two or three times because they're just afk for like a long period of time yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a big thing. That's, that's I think, the most frequent one, and then maybe once for, like, saying nasty stuff, and once because we were playing with, I was playing with uh, Justin and Jay, and the person we were playing with was trying to play a CEDH deck, and we're like playing with our thirty yeah. our thirty ticks budget decks, and the name of the room had been thirty ticks budget, so we're like, all right, get out of here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the the ability to kick is kind of like another safeguard against pub stompers in a way, or against like people that are trying to make the game unfun. You know, it's like if, if three of you are all on the same page, but then you got one guy who's like... Trying to play Demonic Consultation turn two. <laughs> yeah, trying to play Sushi Hulk or whatever. Um, okay, so we talked a lot about like how MTGO is different, you know, maybe some of the downsides. You know, kind of like the ability to win the game, kind of a downside upside type scenario. Um, let's talk about like what's what's like good about, uh, about MTGO. And a, a big thing I see on here is it helps you improve play. We, we've touched on that a little bit. Is it like it makes you more, makes you understand the rules a little bit better. Um, but do you like? Do you think you like really, really improved since playing on MTGO? Like, is that actually something you've noticed? I think, I mean, before because I tended to play cowboy decks that would just involved stack interaction and stuff like that. I love. I love that you're you're using that term now. I mean, Cowboy when you Magic. described Cowboy Magic to me, it was I think something clicked in my brain perfectly. It's just like yeah, you just make him have it. And just, just do, do, do my thing. <laughs> but it's like because I was already kind of I think the the kind of the biggest issue with like the stack I never really rang into because I kind of already had a sort of in depth uh, explanation. I think the fact that like it applies layers and stuff like that automatically. I mean, having to yeah. having to understand like humility interactions it's just something i've never wanted to do but yeah it's like if i was going to put humility in my deck i feel like i'd have to go like like study for a final exam almost like, to understand level, all the rules. level two or three judge before you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then like mtgo you're just like that ah, does, does, does this work i'll just play it and figure out and i'd say in a way because it's such a strict such a strict mentor it's like you you have to play the game the way the rules are written in a way it kind of it's it's helped me be more solid in my core of understanding and, and actual gameplay. I mean, as someone who's played yeah. as as someone who's played a competitive format, right? Who who's had to call out opponents on trigger and stuff like that. I mean, what do you think? It's how do you think MTGO has kind of changed the way that you've you've approached the game? Well, okay, I'll I'll talk about like one thing in specific in Commander. So it's like when when you're playing Commander in paper, a lot of the times you're not like passing priority on spells like the way you you would be or the way you should be like in the rules you know yeah it's like if someone plays like what's a big game and like if someone plays like torrent of hailfire for like 30 or whatever it's like a lot of the times you're not going around in clockwise order and being like okay pass priority okay i pass priority okay i pass priority like a lot of times you're just like does anybody have an answer to this you know it's more it's less it's more like collaborative i guess in a way the way you like priority works in edh but online, it's like, it's very like if you if you have interaction and you pass priority without playing it, like that's it. Like you don't get to play anymore, you know. But in other formats, hmm, MTGO, it's like it's very, 
I feel like more relaxed playing competitive stuff on MTGO just because I know it's like impossible for my opponent to ever cheat. Yeah, and also like you don't yeah. have to, you're not constantly looking for like your opponent to miss, for example, a pact of the fact of the Titan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, but like, yeah, it is. It's not ha- having that stress of like trying to police the people you're playing against removed. I think I totally get that. I mean, in, 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 in like EDH, it still applies, right? Because like not. Because people, unfortunately, the reality is, especially when you're kind of playing with random people who don't really know, people do mm-hmm. cheat. And also people play the game, have learned the game, of, like, the rules interactions incorrectly. And then yeah, it, it can true. lead to, yeah. to disagreements where you're like, that's not how that works. And they're like, no, isn't that how it works? And if you have a judge at hand, good. If you don't, <laughs> it kind of you're just going to have to munchkin it, argue about it. Whoever yells the loudest wins. Or you just give up <laughs> on it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that that is always an awkward moment, you know, if you're like the guy at the table who's like, I don't know, like I sometimes I'm in this situation just because I play a lot of competitive formats where it's like, I don't know, like I'm expected to like police the table in a certain way. And it's like, that's always kind of awkward. Like, I don't want to tell you that, like, no, like you're wrong. Like, how did you not know that? You know, like, I don't know. That's that's always awkward. But yeah, I, I get that. On Online, it's like, OK, it's just like it takes care of it for you, like whatever. Yeah, you have a level five judge. Standing over the digital <laughs> table, narrating each step and priority passing individually. Yeah. You have Richard Garfield himself telling you what you need to do. The digital, digitally uploaded consciousness of Richard Garfield. <laughs> oh, wait, I wanted to. Yeah, I feel like the, the case in point for this is like playing Storm online. Because mm. like in paper, I'm like, I have like my mana dice, you know, and like my Storm count die. But it's like online, it just keeps track of it all for you. You know, it's easy peasy. Do whatever. Exactly. You know? I mean, yes, playing Mono Red Storm a lot easier online. Don't have to keep track yeah. of Aether Flux triggers Storm count, how many copies of each spell you've got. It just does it for you. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, and kind of going hand in hand with that, like this, the other thing we wrote under like the what's good about MPGO section is that like some things like when you play online, they just like feel different to do than they do in paper. You know, like the the example I was thinking about with this like was dredge. You know, like in, in paper, when you resolve like a cathartic union, like discarding life from the loam and sinking up, it's like there's a lot of drama to like flipping over like 15 cards in your deck. But it's like online, it's like it just happens. It just happens. Which, to a way, I feel it's almost advantageous for the judge deck. Because isn't yeah. the, the yeah. impact of, like, that person, look at all those cards. Look at that card they just put, because well, they were putting cards in one at a time, into their graveyard. They just flipped a Craterhoof behemoth into their graveyard. <laughs> I mean, someone would joke about it. Yeah, the, the politics are different in that way, right? Yeah, once again, right. Cause the, because the, there's no flashy animations or anything like that, it kind of removes the sort of, like, oh, look at that shiny card aspect and like i don't know about you i still cannot pop my graveyard out on mtgo yeah we're we're i'm working on that i'm trying to figure out what i need to do uh, yeah it's like it's there's there's some mechanics i still just do not understand i do not understand the way to get to it that's that's the charm right you know you just <laughs> you just discover something new every day just blindly go up your way through the program and hope you find something good but yeah there, there's other stuff like i don't know if you've ever played with monastery mentor on Magic Online, Simon. Oh, but prowess triggers, yeah. Boy, oh boy, it feels good to put like 300 <laughs> triggers on the stack from a Monastery Mentor. Which is risky on Magic Online, at least in EDH, because if you put too many triggers on the stack, <laughs> this is a, a, a word of warning for anyone trying to play some crazy storm deck online. Too many yeah. triggers on the stack will crash the game and reset it and make it play from the beginning. So, you know, just... Be careful about what you, how many copies of Grape Shot you're putting on the stack. That could be, that could go poorly. Yeah. I mean, you've you've definitely like stretched the limits of the client just with the kinds of decks you play, right? Yeah, I mean, I I've had probably seven or eight games that have crashed because of things my deck was doing, and you know it feels good. It's like oh, I, I win this time, MDGO. So yeah, it's <laughs> like a, it's like a. Uh, Achievement unlocked, right? <laughs> crash, crash the game. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I haven't run into too many like actual game crashes in EDH. I know I've seen, having watched a bunch of streamers play it, like it does happen. Have you ever seen the, the video of the Oblivion Ring video with LSV? What, he has like three, two or three copies of Oblivion Ring on the board? Yeah, it's like his, his opponent has an Oblivion Ring and he has an Oblivion Ring. 
yeah, it's like the only non-land permanents on the battlefield are Oblivion Rings. And then he plays like his, his next Oblivion Ring and it just like keeps looping because it, it they can only target each other. It just keeps like looping the, the interaction. And, just, and like, it doesn't have it recognized as a tie forcer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is something that would never happen in paper. But it's like it's this cool thing that can, I don't know, randomly happen because of the way MTGO is. Because it's just a missed case. I mean, the, the, the reality is yeah. the rules of magic with all the... I mean, the fact that they've programmed as many cards as they have into the game and that most of them, except for Soul Conduit... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still not sure what the deal with Soul Conduit is, but it might be a bug to look into. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fact that they most of work, I mean, is impressive in and of itself. Um, and we mentioned this earlier, yeah. right? It's like... We only know about the Soul Conduit bug because we were playing with Justin, one of our friends from college, and there really is that aspect. I mean, we're all, now that we've graduated, we're separated geographically. Yeah. Uh, by quite a long distance. Justin's in California, um, and you're in New York City, and I'm, I'm down. Yeah, we're over here in the East Coast, East Coast. Um, <laughs> but East like, Coast and East Coast. Yeah, the magic, of, the magic of playing magic online with people you know is kind of i mean there is it's always it's always a good time it's always a good time yeah i'm definitely i'm thankful for that like especially like during the the present age like the the time of covid it's definitely like i don't know like when when am i next gonna see these people like even if you you guys were like in my state you know it'd still be like a pretty big trek to like go over and just play edh with you but it's like you can just fire up npgo and it's just like the good old days, you know, playing yeah. on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is that now more than ever, I think finding outlets for social contact is really important because it's easy, right? Yeah. It's easy to just kind of get stuck in that quarantine mindset, especially as we go into the winter and things unfortunately get worse. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend just like locking yourself in your room and playing MPGO like all day, every day, because <laughs> then then you can kind of like. I don't know, too much of a good thing is... Much, yeah, uh, the, the other end of the spectrum that we're discussing. <laughs> um, I guess, like, we're talking about psychology now. I I kind of put this at the end. I don't. I didn't really know, like, how to categorize this. But, um, I don't know, I guess we, we should talk about, like, maybe yeah, we, we how, how to avoid tilt online. Maybe, like, not falling into the trap of just endlessly grinding on MTGO all day. I think that's one of the benefits of, I mean... There, there are other... I mean, the good thing about MGO, right, is that it also offers accessibility if you're interested in other formats, right? Like yeah, that's if true. If you want to play modern... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pull of modern half through. Really? Right? Yeah, because it's like... It's playing playing just like EDH with randoms has kind of made me realize that if I'm going to play the game like it's more like a game I'm just trying to win, I might mm. as well play an actual competitive format that... Yeah, that's a good perspective, you're yeah. You're trying to win, right? And so... I mean that you you sold me on the rental service thing. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm going to manatraders.com right now. Do you hear that, manatraders? I'm telling you, we need a sponsor. We need a sponsor. This is big. Um, um but yeah, I, I was thinking about this like after we outlined the episode, and I was trying to figure out like, I don't like I'm I'm very thankful for the rental service because it lets me play out a lot of formats. But then it's like, why is playing a lot of formats good? And like the best answer I came up with was that like. I, I like enjoy like the, the thing I enjoy about magic is figuring out like like the minute little things that like make the format what it is. You know, like I guess like a good example in modern is uh I guess you could even just say like lightning bolt. Like the way like lightning bolt's position in the metagame and how it's changed over the past like five months is like kind of an interesting story. And you know, like there and there's all these little like minute factors of like what threats are being played and like what kinds of mana bases are getting played that it's like they all come together and like affect all this stuff. And it's like, I like figuring that out. And I really liked that about EDH when I first started playing, but it's like with the rental service and being able to jump around between like modern legacy pioneer EDH, you know, it's like you get to like, there's this novelty that you get and you get to learn a lot of new things. You know, it kind of breaks up the monotony of just like playing the same thing all day, every day. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you talk about other formats. I mean, drafting is an important thing to mention here, right? I mean, the excess. I I had never played a vintage cube or anything like that, and like, yeah, I didn't play a ton of vintage cube. But when it when it was on a couple months ago, I mean, you and I, we were we were just having a good time with it. I mean, it's like wait, didn't didn't we get a trophy your first draft? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I yeah, drafted like yeah. I drafted like <laughs> Progenitus 
channel or the fastball some, some like ridiculous something some green ridiculous deck you know the yeah, it was like channel finale of devastation yeah yeah combo yes the classic i mean it's just like getting to do new things at a relatively reasonable price that in real life you're probably never going to get to do just because the accessibility of the cards is close to zero unless of yeah. course you're okay with proxies but that's a whole different it's a different discussion I mean, even with proxies, like, try to find somebody who has a vintage cube with, like, actually decent proxies. It's, like, it's hard. Like, there are not that many people that actually go go through the effort. Yeah, because I mean, you also have to, like, have the people to play it with and stuff like that. I'm just, like, yeah. when vintage cube's online, there's always, always drafts firing all the time because it's, it's just a good time. Yeah, it's, like, back when I was in, back when I lived in Texas, there was a, there was a guy that had a vintage cube that I would, like... We would meet up on the weekends and play it sometimes, but it was like with even even like knowing somebody who had a cube, I could maybe play like two or three drafts a month. But it's like with Vintage Cube online, it's like, man, I can I can crank those out. You know, I can play three drafts like in a night. Yeah, and if you're good at it, you don't it doesn't even cost anything, right? Like you can. Yeah, that's true. If 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 you just go two one, it is free. Yeah, you break yeah, break even, and if you get better, then you. You know, as soon as you said Lightning Bolt and Modern, I had to look up the power and toughness of Omnath, Locus of Creation, just yeah, to make a four sure. 4-4. Four. Four, four, uh, turns out Uro uh, just undoes any Lightning Bolt, you know? I'm, I'm wondering if uh, some of the new standard all- band standard All-Stars are uh, perhaps making a splash in Modern. Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. Um, I don't know. I can give you a whole speech on Lightning Bolt, I guess. But it's like you won it against like the humans decks and the taxes decks and like against some variants of the prowess decks. But then it's like if you're staring down like you like like an Omnath and a Renin six on like five, and you look at this lightning bolt in your hand, you're like, uh, I don't know, this, Chief. This doesn't do anything. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like like learning that stuff is something that uh like learning those intricacies isn't something you can really do without the accessibility of Magic Online. Magic Online, yeah, and it's like yeah. Why not, right? Why not? Yeah, it's there. And once we get this Mana Trader sponsorship, you know, it's just free value. Right? Just free value. Grind <laughs> for days. All right. I mean, I think we've really touched upon everything we kind of wanted to discuss today. Um, talk about tilting. I mean, like, I find you kind of just have to remember, even though we were talking about how it's kind of removed from that EDH like, kind of party game vibe just because you're playing with random people. Yeah. I think just reminding yourself that Whenever you are getting tilted, it's always like it's just a game. If people are being real mean to you, you can leave. <laughs> well, do you do you find it easier to tilt in paper versus MTGO? Like what? You what's know, your experience with that? I think my my tendency to tilt is you, on paper was always directly connected to kind of like how I enjoy the meta game, or how I enjoy the, the the game being played itself, right? Like if. Like during, the metagame in the playgroup? Yeah, like during the Kai and Combo Winter type thing, it was much more for me. The thing that was keeping me from tilting was just like banter. It's always banter, right? Just like, yeah, you're, the you're, banter, you're talk, yeah. You're talking shit, you're, you're having a good time, you're not really paying attention to the game because you know what everyone's doing to try and win and you're just kind of letting it happen. Yeah. On, on MTGO, it's more like I, I, I invest a lot less in a lot of the games unless I'm playing with people. That I know. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, whatever. If you know, if someone really does play something that I find unfun, I, at this point, at first I would have stuck it out, but at this point I'm just like, all right, we'll go next. They got it. Hmm. Okay. I feel like we we might be on opposite ends of the spectrum that way. Because like I I find it a lot easier to like keep a, a level head when I'm in when I'm in person versus when I'm online. Or it's like I don't know. It can get like. It can I, get, get, I get that. It can get. It just gets more frustrating, I guess, when it's like, yeah, like when you're just alone. In I think the the loss of banter is really what I'm getting at here. Yeah, yeah. Like, be, being like, if you're if you're losing in paper, you know, you can still have a good time like chatting with people. But like, if you're losing online, it's kind of like, yeah, you you quit out of the game, but it's still like, ah, oh, it's still like, oh, well, that wasn't fun. I mean, as someone who's played a lot of tilt-inducing video games and has gotten <laughs> tilted a lot, I think to some yeah. degree, I've sort of. It's not a NTGO. I don't find it to be at the level where it actually actively frustrates me. You know, I've kind of I've okay. grown a thick enough online skin. Yeah, and you're more battle hardened than more, I do. More than I am <laughs> battle hardened online. It's like, all right, people, people aren't gonna play the way you want. It's a random thing. They're gonna, they're gonna treat treat you like garbage. 
As long as someone's like, I find people being toxic to be a lot more tilting to me. Like people actively like flaming in chat, which thankfully has been a really small problem on Magic Online. Yeah, I, I don't want to focus. I guess I don't want to. I don't want to end on the negatives too much. Yeah, I don't want the like, negatives too much. I think that well, I think that it is a big in a way. I'm, I think I think I say it is a positive. I mean, my my experience have been has been generally positive. It's like if people people don't talk in chat, then they just say good luck, have fun to start, and then they play the game. And if they do yeah, talk yeah. in chat, oftentimes they're extremely people are friendly. People are like, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, I gotta admit, the psychological kick I get when I like play Mono of the Storm and start and spend like 10 minutes on my final turn and people are like, whoa, this is so cool. <laughs> I mean, that just inflates my head to an enormous size immediately. Yeah, that's true. The The wholesome MTGO chat, I think, is one of the best things. And to you know? Degree, yeah, and to agree, right? People having access to to like mental accounts and stuff like that leads to a lot. I mean, I've, I've actually swapped decks with people. I'm, I'm just like, yo, what's your, really? what's your plan is cool. Like, got a list? And people are generally willing to send, to send it to you and the oh, vice yeah. versa, right? Yeah, that is true. All right. I think, I think that does. It. I think we've, we've kind of talked about every aspect of MTGO, right? Yeah. We've we talked kind of about touched on what we wanted to. Do we recommend it? I mean, would you recommend magic online to someone you knew who was looking for a new way to play? I, I would. Yes, I would. I want to put a caveat on that though. Please. I think that if you've, if you're like very, very new to the game, I would not, I would start with maybe MTG Arena before going into to MTGO. If you're, okay, if you're not like the, if you're not the most experienced with like games of magic, you might not really understand like everything that's going on in MTGO. Does that make sense? Like you might, yeah. you might not understand like, why is it asking me to click okay a billion times? I, I wouldn't just drop like a, a completely new player into MTGO and say, okay, figure it out. Cause then like, you're just not gonna have a good time, right? Yeah, you have to have a basic understanding of the stack, of priority. I mean, I think the priority is the big one, right? Understanding why it goes on the table every time someone plays a spell, every time yeah. someone activates an ability. I think that's a really important thing. Um, and for me, it's kind of the same. I think I, I think I say the same. I think I would recommend it to anyone who's kind of experienced the game. I don't know if I'd actually recommend Magic Arena to anyone who's looking for a new way to play. Just because I find, I tend to find... The, it's almost surprising. I find the the, the 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 payment model on Magic Online to be a lot more honest yeah, than the, the MTGA true. payment model. Because MTGA is doing that free-to-play Hearthstone type thing where like in order that you either have to play all day or drop money on it to play the game. I mean, I'm yeah, obviously I, biased. I, guess I don't play standard, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. RP standard. Yeah, I guess... I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being like a little bit too cautious just because I don't want like... I don't want somebody like brand new to the game to just like fire up an EDH deck, you know, but it's like, I feel like most of the people listening to this are probably like experienced enough with the game to know what's going on in MTGO. The more we talk about it, I feel like the more we should, should check out play EDH or something like that. Like I kind of looked into it before I started playing MTGO and I kind of found, I didn't know if it was quite what I was looking for. But I think it's like the is that the webcam? That's the webcam one. And I think if you are a newer player, like someone who's just maybe got into EDH just before the pandemic started, I would suggest doing that just because yeah, if that still having that kind of almost in person aspect will allow you to kind of get more used to the game. But if you're someone who yeah. you know you you got you got EDH decks, you got time, you kind of want to try maybe try a deck you've never really been able to build because of budgetary constraints or something like that. And you know how the stack yeah. works. The, I, I'd say go for it. Yeah, if you're itching for EDH, EDH gameplay, and you uh, you know what you're getting into, don't be too intimidated by MTGO. I know it is it is kind of intimidating before you take the plunge, but it is very learnable, and most of the people you meet are actually pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. it's it's generally good time. <laughs>